The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord. In the name of the Holy Trinity, one God. Amen. There's an aspect of my ministry here that uh, many of you are unaware of, I'm sure. Uh, I've, for about three years now, I've served as the dean of the Concord River Deanery. Uh, there are 12 deaneries in the diocese, and our deanery is made up of 16 congregations. Our clergy come together periodically, usually about once a month. We have lunch together, share uh, news and aspects of our ministry together. It's really a wonderful time for us to gather. But I think uh, the thing that I have come to appreciate so much is once a month, uh, the deans come together with the bishop, and for four hours we share our ministries, but most of all, for about an hour, sometimes an hour and a half, we do Bible study together. Now, the first time that I went to this meeting, I remember how surprised I was that this very busy bishop would spend, first of all, four hours with 12 of us, but to spend an hour or more studying scripture together and reflecting on it. And over the uh, years that I've been engaged in this with, uh, with our bishop and the other deans, I have found my life so enriched by that. One of the things that often comes up, a question that's often posed as we, we usually read the scripture a couple of times and then listen for a phrase or for something that stands out to us, and we all have an opportunity to comment. And usually the last question is, what do we hear Jesus or the gospel calling us to do? And I think that's such an important part of our Bible study and the way that we engage scripture, all of scripture, not just the gospels. What do we hear in it that may be calling us to some sort of action? I know that uh, many of you are probably familiar with uh, liberation theology and the movement. I think it was probably in the 60s and 70s of base communities in uh, Central America and South America. About the same time, there was a movement in the churches of North America to have cell groups or small uh, Bible study groups that would come together. But the base communities were different in that they were often in rural areas among uh, peasantry, 
And these were often places that had been neglected by the church. Often they were uh, called together. The, the, the person that convened them might be a lay leader in the church and sometimes a priest who would uh, make his way, Roman Catholic priest, making his way around from one base community to another. A number of years ago, I came across a little book that I wish I had today. I've lost it. And the thing that was so marvelous about this book was it was transcriptions of the reflections on the gospel that came out of one particular base community. The priest would gather them. They would he would celebrate the Eucharist with them. But the other thing that happened that was really sacramental for that community was that instead of getting a sermon, they would sit together, hear the gospel and the priest or the lay leader would invite them to share their thoughts on that gospel. What did they hear in that gospel that touched them directly? And what was Jesus or the gospel calling them to do? Well, the amazing thing that came out of this, I believe, was a clear awareness on the part of these people who had felt so neglected that the gospel was written to them. It was as though it was specifically for them. And they heard in it this message about how Jesus had come for the poor. He had come for the oppressed. And in hearing all of that in many different ways through the Gospels, they saw that they were not a forgotten people, but they could have hope. And even more than hope, they could do something about their circumstances. Well, I think that we, in today's Gospel, we see the power of the Word of God. We see especially the power and the, the possibility coming from the Word made flesh, from Jesus, in the Gospel that we heard today. In Luke's account, Jesus' early ministry begins with uh, John the Baptist uh, baptizing him in the Jordan. And then the Spirit leads him out, or in, in one case it says he was driven out by the Spirit, into the wilderness where he was tempted. And then he went back to Galilee, and his reputation started to grow. He, he would uh, read the, the, the scriptures and teach in the synagogues. And soon the word was getting around that there was something very special about this Jesus. And then uh, the Gospel of Luke says he comes to Nazareth, his hometown. He went to the synagogue and they asked him to read the scripture. They give him the Isaiah scroll and he turns to that place of the scroll where it goes like this. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he simply rolled up the scroll and handed it back to them and sat down to teach. Now, given his reputation and all that had been said about him, and after all, this is a hometown boy, come back, he's done good. You can imagine that they were very anxious to hear what he would say. And then he spoke. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. You can imagine that the entire room went silent as they wondered, what more is he going to say? What else is he going to preach about? And perhaps some of the skeptics said, who does he think he is? It was in that moment 
that Jesus had defined who he was and what his ministry was to be. Jesus is declaring very clearly that he has come to bring good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives, to bring sight to the blind, and to let the oppressed go free. I think too often we in the church spiritualize that ministry of Jesus. And we don't see, I don't think we see often a connection between us and the mandate that Jesus was, was ministering under. But can you imagine what those words must have sounded like to those people in a base community somewhere in Central or South America? It would have been as though they were meant specifically for them. That question that uh, we often end our Bible study with, uh, what do you hear Jesus or the gospel saying to you and asking you to do? That's the question that if we, honest, if we honestly answer, and if we in fact act on our honest answer, the world could change. I have an example of how this can happen. The, many of you will probably remember uh, the untimely death of George Fuentes. Uh, George had been a member of the Be Safe program for years uh, as, a, as a little boy and then finally as a 19-year-old. And he was walking his dog, I think. This was in this past September. And he was shot and he died. George had a wonderful future ahead of him. He was going to go into the Marine Corps. And he was really the pride of the Be Safe program. The bishop knew him well. And so did many who were involved with uh, St. Stephen's ministry. And uh, he, was, uh, he even went on, uh, on mission trips with the folks from St. Anne's in the field. And I know that there are people here who have met him along the way. Well, his death uh, touched the diocese very deeply, and the bishop in particular. And it was a result of our bishop's reading of scripture and reflecting on it, and his prayer that has resulted in him coming to our, our uh, diocesan convention last November and asking the convention to pass a resolution to begin a task force to get to the root of violence in our communities. And not just the communities of Boston, but communities like Concord and Acton and Carlisle. There's violence really all around us and the violence that we experience in the greater world that we live in. It was because of our bishop's prayer and study and asking what is the gospel calling us to do that caused him to have us engage this question. I think that if we are going to take the gospel seriously, we must ask, what is it asking us to do? Leonardo Boff, the great liberation theologian of Brazil, says that our faith must have two eyes, one looking to the past where salvation broke in and the other looking toward the present where salvation becomes a reality here and now. How is salvation becoming a reality in your life and in mine? Where are we engaging the gospel? What is the gospel asking us to do about the poor and about the oppressed? And it's not just about the poor out there, but to look at our own poverty, the poverty of our own lives, the oppression that we may feel in our own lives, 
the oppression of technology in some cases, of too much information, the oppression of the busyness of our lives. How might Jesus bring salvation to that? How might the gospel speak to your life and to mine? I pray that God will give us the will to ask those questions, but more than that, to act on the answer. Amen.